true, but I love the joy of discovery. When I discover something new or something unexpected, it is such a delight to me. Whether I was searching for it and I come across it, like uh, maybe lost money or a pair of eyeglasses that you've misplaced, and, and when you discover it, the, the joy that comes across you, uh, or even something that was totally unexpected, and, and now here it has come upon you. I, I used to enjoy when I was younger uh, watching The Price is Right a game show on TV, and uh, you've never seen people more happy than when their name gets called, and, and you probably remember the, the announcement to, to come on down, uh, and they, they would erupt with cheering and laughter, sometimes tears, because of the joy of uh, being picked to come uh, and to participate in that game show. If you've ever struggled with a, a health issue, maybe something that was totally out of the blue, and you were given an initial diagnosis uh, that was really frightening to you, and uh, upon follow-up exams uh, and testing, if you realize that the worst-case scenario was not what you were afflicted with, and just the joy of discovery that your health uh, was uh, becoming more uh, healed and, and restored. Can you imagine the day, I know many of us are waiting for the day, when uh, there will be a, a vaccine for the COVID virus, a day when uh, what great rejoicing will happen around the world when that discovery, that, um, uh, that development happens along the way. Just the joy of discovery, the, the great uh, happiness that ensues when something uh, good has happened for us and to us. Jesus, Jesus talks about something that brings the greatest sense of joy when it's discovered. He talks about this issue. In fact, it's his favorite subject of all other subjects, uh, the thing he talked about the most. And he talks about this reality being available right now and available to you. In fact, he himself made it available. But the Bible talks about there being a problem. There's a problem that we all share in uh, from a, a larger perspective of life. And a good friend of mine used to describe the problem this way. Uh, if you can picture in your mind's eye, uh, space people out, like on a space shuttle, and when they go out and do a space walk, you know, they get all their suit on and their gloves, and uh, it's all pressurized, and the helmet down, and, and they, they go outside of the spaceship, walking out in the space, in, in, in the large cavern of space out there, uh, but they're, they're tethered to something, right? They're, there's a tether to them, and, and, and my friend used to describe the, the issue, the, the fundamental problem that people have in, in discovering the joy of God is because, like a space person doing a space walk, uh, and imagine that spaceman, that space woman, reaching up and snipping away the tether that holds them to their their, their life, their place of safety and joy, their place, uh, their lifeline literally gets cut. And that's what, and the Bible talks about uh, sin, that's a, a picture of how sin is, is that we want to become independent of our very lifeline, our, our place where we're intended to stay connected, and it's like we've reached up and snipped our lifeline to God because of our desire to be independent agents on the earth, apart from God. We're detached from the life that God intended for you to live. And so when Jesus comes, he talks about the kingdom of heaven. It's the issue he talked about the most. It's the issue that he said is available now. It's the issue, it's the, the reality that he says you are able to step into 
today. And it's reality that you are called to remember, to rejoice in today. It is a discovery that's more valuable than all others. The kingdom of heaven is a way of describing life with God. The kingdom of heaven is allowing God to reattach your tether and to return your life to what God intended it to be in its creation. Uh, The kingdom of heaven is allowing Jesus to have the ultimate leadership of your life. It is a life full of meaning, full of love, a life that is filled with purpose and healing and joy. This is the kingdom of heaven. It is life to the full, as Jesus says. I have come to give you life and life to the full. This is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to hear a couple of verses uh, from the, the mouth of Jesus himself talking about the kingdom of heaven and the joy that overcomes us when we discover it and are captured by it. Matthew chapter 13, in verse 44, you'll see on your screens today our focus passage. The Bible says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. What a great description of the kingdom of heaven. This is tucked into a longer uh, series of uh, ways Jesus is describing the kingdom of heaven. He's describing it uh, as, as good plantings and bad. He's describing it as something that begins small like mustard seed and, and grows into something magnificent and so useful. Uh, here he's describing the value of the kingdom. The value of the kingdom of heaven. And uh, life, there was a life before banks existed. Uh, I, it's hard for me to imagine that. All of my life has been lived with a trust in banks and depositing our money in banks. I've never grown up personally, and uh, maybe you have not grown up uh, taking the, the precious money that you're trying to set aside in savings, and you've probably never stuffed it into your mattress. And you probably have never put it into a, 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 a coffee can. Well, maybe you have, I don't know, but as, as banks have grown over the decades in importance uh, for our economy, uh, but banks have not, not always been as they are today. In fact, for many generations, and still today, there are people, instead of putting their, their valued possessions in a safety deposit box or putting on deposit in a bank, they will take and find a secure spot somewhere around their property. They'll literally dig a hole and bury it so that it is unseen and unknown. So that it's protected for one who might want to come and steal. If they go on a trip, it's stored away in a safe space. There are places still around the world today that uh, will take something valuable in, in certain countries that, that are not receptive to the Christian message or faith. There are people who, uh, out of fear and concern for their safety, they might have a Bible. And I have been told stories and read about them where people will take and bury their Bible in a safe spot because A, they don't want it to be found, but B, they don't want it to be confiscated, uh, and so forth. This, this is the picture that we have in this parable. Someone found a treasure that had been buried and bought that property because 
we assume that the treasure had been forgotten, or it had, the owner had been long gone by this time. And so the person comes along, they see the value of what they have, and realize that it is much more valuable than everything else that they possess. And so they, with joy, go away, and they cash in everything that they have in order to get that greater, uh, most valuable treasure. You see, the value of the kingdom is affirmed in what is exchanged for it. And it's interesting, these two passages, these two descriptions of the kingdom, one about someone who kind of stumbles upon uh, this, this treasure, doesn't appear to be actually looking for it necessarily, but it just happens to, to come across his path, so to speak, and he stumbles upon it. Kind of like Bilbo Baggins, when he stumbled upon the ring of power in the cave of Gollum. He, uh, this person in this passage just stumbles upon, not necessarily looking for it, not necessarily having a deep-seated at that moment uh, sense of need, but when he finds it, he joyfully takes action because of it. And then the other, uh, the second picture is one of a person actually out searching uh, a business person who's out searching for uh, this particular item and he finds it. And again, it is so valuable that he goes and cashes all of the rest of his business affairs in in order to possess this particular thing. In fact, the message translation takes and captures these two ideas of either stumbling upon a treasure or actually seeking out the treasure. But the response is the same in both, that there's joy once the treasure of God's kingdom is discovered. The, the, the message translation says it this way, God's kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field for years and then accidentally found by a trespasser. The finder is ecstatic. What a find! And proceeds to sell everything he owns to raise money and buy that field. Or, God's kingdom is like a jewel merchant on the hunt for excellent pearls. Finding one that is flawless, he immediately sells everything he uh, everything and buys that pearl. Do you remember back? Do you remember back in your mind's eye? Remember back in, in your own memory? Just take a moment right now. If things are a little chaotic in your house right now, if you have control over that, can you just sit for a moment and think with me about your life? Just think about when Jesus got a hold of your life. Think back to the moment when the idea of God's kingdom was becoming real for you. Can you think back there? When you heard for the first time God's call to follow Jesus. Maybe you were in a season of your life when you were seeking out something better than the way you were living at that moment. Maybe you were seeking something of greater value, of greater importance, of greater sense of perspective and purpose. Maybe you are in a season then of great pain or disillusionment. You, you had been seeking out something, living your life for this particular objective, whatever that is, and that, that had fallen through, and now you're hungering for something, perhaps a deeper meaning and great value, like that jewel merchant was looking. Maybe, maybe there was nothing noticeably wrong about your life. You were kind of okay, it, it seemed to you at that moment. But someone... Or God arranged circumstances in your life to, to be, in a way, maybe someone that came into your life and began to just simply, quietly, occasionally share Jesus with you. Begin through you, began to make that person, make you alert to Jesus through that person. 
Uh, our church has people, I've heard many of your stories, and uh, stories of some who have stumbled upon the reality of God's kingdom and the joy of finding that valuable reality. Others uh, talk about seeking out something different. They were kind of at the end of their rope and uh, coming to a place where they discovered the kingdom of God and realized its immense value for them and God captured them. But in both situations, as in these parables, the response is what? What does it say? With joy. With joy is the response. And, and it's so right because when we, we hear the way Jesus describes his life, and the life that he's offering to you and me, he describes it in so many great, very graphic ways. For me, at least, he describes that if, if you have a deep thirst that a real relationship with Jesus quenches your deepest thirst. He says, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. He says, I will give you water that uh, will flow out of you. Forever. Jesus satisfies the deepest spiritual hunger. He describes himself as the bread of life. If anyone eats from me, he will not hunger. He lifts up the lowest life. He says to come to me if you're weary and burdened with life, and I will give you rest. You see, this, these are all descriptions of of the joy and the value of understanding, discovering, entering into the kingdom of God, living in the great kingdom of God. What is it that has greater value or is more important to you than being with Jesus? Now, I know you're, you're sitting in a church service, watching it online, and, and you know what, you what you're expecting me to answer, but I want you just in your own heart today to answer that question, what is it today for you that is more valuable to you than the kingdom of God in your life? What is it that's more valuable to you than your relationship with Jesus? Because the scriptures are filled with critical moments in people's lives where they were offered the beauty of the kingdom, and some of them did not choose to enter into the beauty of it. There was one young man who comes and begins a dialogue with Jesus and uh, begins to check off all of the good things that his life was about, all of the great ways that he treated people, all of the great charities he gave to, and so forth. And Jesus answered him. He says, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give them to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then follow me. I just want to pause there for a minute. This is an invitation into the kingdom of God. It, it is a man stumbling upon this great treasure in the field. Jesus standing in front of this man. Saying, look what you have offered to you. Now take and compare it to the rest of your life. And you decide what's more valuable. The kingdom of God. Life with Jesus. The promised reality of forever and better life with Him? Or is there some other pursuit in the world that's more worth your time? That's more worth your energy? That's more worth giving your life to than ultimately the kingdom of God? And we come back to the passage. That is the question Jesus has. Or he, he says, this is what you need to do in order to enter into the kingdom of God. In verse 22, 
When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. You see, this man stumbled upon the kingdom. He had the beauty and the value of the kingdom right there in front of him, but he turns away and he walks away sad because at that moment he still viewed everything else in his life as more important, as more meaningful, as greater priority than his life with God through Jesus and the gift that Jesus was offering. He went away sad. I don't know, for me, if there's a, a, a sadder, more, more troubling passage of Scripture in all of the Bible than this one, and it makes me want to weep. But let's contrast this passage to uh, one that the Apostle Paul writes to the Philippians. And he also stumbled upon the kingdom of heaven and uh, the great gift. And he describes his life in a different way because he did sell everything he had, so to speak. Metaphorically speaking, he, he began to rearrange the attitude of his heart, his perspective of the world. And he, he came to the conclusion that nothing in his life not his education, not his profession, nothing in his life, not his possessions, nothing in his life was more valuable than seeking and obtaining the kingdom of God, receiving the gift of God's kingdom. It cannot be bought, of course, but it can be received as we come and understand the work and life of Jesus. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Beloved, we have been in a season of real difficulty as a church in these recent months with so many deaths of people who have been so long-time members of our church, such pillars of our church community. And more than that, they've been models of faithful living, models of, of men and women who have dedicated their lives to the Lord, some professionally, but many more just as, as lay people. And I don't mean just in, in any sort of diminutive way, but simply as people who love the Lord without drawing a paycheck from it. People who love the Lord because they understood the value of the kingdom and they made a choice that nothing else in their life, as important as these things might be, nothing for them would be more important than the kingdom of God. This invitation to walk and follow Jesus and to be committed to his church and to his work through the church in the world. Giving of themselves joyfully. People like Carol Jackson and Ann Smith, Jerry Stubblefield, Carolyn McCallion, and Ernestine Patterson. Just to name a few. What a season we have been in as a church. Alpha Biana, another example of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So I ask you today, what is it in your life that's more important to you? What is it in your life that you're valuing as more important 
What is it in your life that your calendar would say is more important to you than giving yourself wholeheartedly into the kingdom of God? Living joyfully in the kingdom of God. What is it for you? Are you joyfully living in the kingdom of heaven? Are you fully experiencing the full life that Jesus offers you? Because I want to tell you something, brother and sister. I want to tell you something. I really want to ask you a question. When you are filled to the fullness of the life that Jesus offers to you, where do you think the overflow of that fullness goes? Where do you think it goes? It's not recirculated into your own life. It overflows into the lives of the people around you. Whether it's in your home or at your workplace, whether it's uh, inside uh, the, the church fellowship, or it's to, to people who aren't yet part of God's kingdom, it flows out to others around you, some of whom might today, you might not realize it, but there might be some people in your life today who are seeking something more than what they've experienced up until now. They have pursued all sorts of things to find fullness in their life. They might have a lot of wealth and business success and a lot of education, and they might have a lot of status in their world around them. But there may be people right around you today who are still seeking for something more because nothing has ultimately quenched the, the thirst of their life. Nothing has ultimately satisfied their hunger because they've not yet understood or stumbled upon or been presented with the kingdom of heaven. They don't yet know that it is something to be valued because someone needs to share it with them. Perhaps there are others who may stumble upon the treasure of God's kingdom as God might place you in their life. As God might place you in their life to occasionally talk about your faith and to, to, to reveal how valuable you find your relationship with Jesus and life in God's kingdom and, and to find ways that work for you to communicate that out in ways that are meaningful to you. It doesn't have to be just like everybody else. We as a church, we are about now calling Marin and beyond to live in the fullness of life through Jesus. We've begun to talk about pray one by one, and this is what I want to close with this morning, this day, whenever you're watching. Pray one by one. You received an email about it this past week, and I want to remind you about it and invite you again into it. The idea is pray one by one. Praying for one neighborhood once a week. One neighborhood, for most of you, I'm guessing, is going to be your very own neighborhood. Wherever you live, your apartment complex, uh, the various houses around you, uh, wherever it is, one neighborhood, once a week, you'll put it on your calendar and, and you'll keep that appointment. And it might be five minutes, it might be 25 minutes, it might be five hours, I don't know what you need or feel led to do. But I'm inviting you, can you imagine a hundred people today? Praying for a hundred neighborhoods. Can you imagine that once a week through the rest of this year and maybe a little beyond? To pray that God's kingdom would be known in the lives around you. To pray that people right in that neighborhood that you're praying for, that if they're seeking something today in their life, that they would be pointed in the direction of Jesus and that they would see the value of God's kingdom and understand it. That if there's some today that, that don't even recognize or, or sense a deep need at this moment, 
Maybe God would lead them to stumble upon you and a friendship with you and, and to hear and to listen and to watch the way you joyfully live in the kingdom of God. I want to invite you again to take seriously this call to prayer that we would pray one by one, once a week, for one neighborhood, probably your own neighborhood, that God's light would be known and that His kingdom would be valued and that we would begin to see the darkness of this place be lifted with the light of Jesus, that despair would be replaced with joy and that God's kingdom would grow and that our church would be strengthened as we would do this work together as co-workers with God, as if God were making His appeal through us because he has entrusted us with the message of reconciliation. Living God, we lift this up to you now. We pray that your word would be living and active in our hearts as we part company through this video screen this morning, this day, this afternoon, this evening, whenever uh, I may be watching today. But we pray that your spirit would continue to work in us, that you would call back to mind these passages of scripture, you would help remind us of the joy of the kingdom when we first encountered it, when we first began to consider the cost of living life with you, of choosing your kingdom, and realizing as we weighed out the options that there's nothing else in, in the world, nothing else in existence that even holds a light compared to the value of life with you and in your kingdom. And God, I pray that if there are any hearing my voice at this moment, who maybe have been walking with you for years and years and years, decades upon decades, and they have forgotten the joy of life in your kingdom, I ask you to gift them. Gift them with a reminder. Stir them again with fresh joy at the wonder and the value of your kingdom and being brought into that kingdom through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. May we live joyfully with you now. We pray in the name of Jesus.